Welcome to Gardening Talkback on 2NURFM. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to see you once again. It's starting to get a little bit warmer now. It's very, very warm out there. It's uh, Summer must be here. What's going on? Almost. Almost summer. (laughs) I think tomorrow's back down to 23, though, so... It's up and down. It's all around. (laughs) What have you got for us today, Scott? Well, I thought we'd talk about agapanthus. It's hot out there. They're surviving and looking fantastic. I planted some thyme the other day. Plenty of time for that. Yeah, plenty of time for that. So we'll talk about that as well. And just generally... Really Christmas plants, Christmas trees. Oh, right, yeah. Nice, suitable ones to have a live Christmas tree in the house. Right, how to look after them while I'm shimming as well. We'll do that as well. Excellent. One of the great herbs, thyme, you've been, you've planted some. I've planted some. It is one of the greatest herbs that, that you can get. You can use it in virtually anything. Ch- chuck it in anything, just about. Anything. Look, you could even probably have thyme ice cream if you felt like it. Well, you could give it a go, couldn't you? Well, actually, you probably could because there's such a thing as lemon thyme out there. But if you sprinkled a little bit of lemon thyme yeah. into some vanilla ice cream, it would be as tasty as anything. That's something for everyone to try, I think, and let us know. We'll let someone else try that before we give I it a crack. So. We, need, we need a couple of guinea pigs out there to uh, give it a give it a little taste test for us. But I, look, yeah, lemon thyme. It's mm. a, it's. I'll, I'll run through some of the varieties. Of course, yep. there's the old fashioned upright one. It does have that most savoury flavour. I think it's probably the best. It's really, really tough. Uh, I stuck it in a pot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to. You can stick it in the ground. It will just, you know, sort of grow upright. Give it a prune back every now and again. Tough as old nails is your normal time. Uh, so a really good one to to grow in the garden. Um, then there's also creeping thyme as well, which uh, isn't quite as flavoursome as your normal old upright yep. one, but it creeps across the ground, makes a fantastic ground cover as well. And again, really, really tough out in the full sun. Uh, will tolerate some shade. Uh, then I guess number three on my list is lemon thyme, just for that you know that sparkling effervescence <laughs> <laughs> that people are going to be having in their ice cream later on tonight. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> be reporting back to us. So that's a really nice one as well. Look, there's other more, uh, I guess, uh, decorative ones. There's silver thyme as well. Um, there's also uh, sort of an Italian oregano thyme. Right, so it's a, a bit of a mixture of tastes, but is that I, just oregano or no? No, it is, it is just has a slightly oregano taste. To right, it, yeah, okay. Yeah. But I guess the further down the list, um, it's a bit like frangipani's. White's the most fragrant, and then you know the darker you go, the less fragrant they are. Yeah. Um, I guess as we go down the list, they do, do become less tasty and less fragrant. Okay. Yeah. Right. So normal time, the best in the world. So easy to use. You know, cut it, have it in some. You know. With some prosciutto or the <laughs> cooking show's gone. What am I doing? <laughs> so actually, we've timed how much. How do you have to look after it? So you've got to trim it a fair bit, do you? Or I, I just try, I always say with any herb to to trim any herb just to keep it nice and fresh and soft, so the new yep. growth is coming through. Basil's like that. Coriander do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, if you do coriander, it won't go to seed as much. Uh, so I, I think that uh, you know regular pruning of herbs is is a really clever idea. Uh, rocket as well is another great uh, you know sort of savoury plant that you can get just to put in salad. But always keep you know pruning that back as well because if you let that go hard and I've learned that it gets bitter. Um, I just let it go and it started to seed pretty quickly. Yeah, and I bet if you had it in your salad, it wouldn't have been that tasty. No, it wasn't great. No, no. So the trim it all right back and yeah, and it, it will come back for you. Yeah, uh, but yeah, look, all of those herbs, basil, it just keeps it all nice and fresh uh, and nice and sweet. Right, there you go. Yeah. It's something I, sh- I should do that more often. Trim the herbs. I think so. Yeah, definitely that rocket. Yeah. It gets uh, really nasty if you let it go. No, it wasn't pleasant. No. <laughs> And we've got Maxine from Broadmeadow, and she's got a question about the jacaranda. Good, uh, good afternoon. Thank you for taking my call. Not a problem uh, at all. How can we help you with the jacaranda? Uh, look, it's breaking my heart, Scott. I've got a mature jacaranda in my backyard, and um, 
it's getting it's got boars in it. Mm-hmm. And when I get if it, um, the white cockatoos have been wonderful, they're you know getting into bits of wood and taking things out. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm, I don't know if I want to use it any kind of a poison in case it affected the cockatoos. But it's um, hasn't been as well the last year or so. Um, and I haven't been sure about what to do. When a piece of wood blocks, drops on the ground, you can see holes running through the bits of wood where yeah. the borers are. Yeah, so it, it sounds like it does have a really bad borer problem. Uh, look, mm. what you could do is get an arborist in to have a, have a bit more of a squeeze at it and uh, sure. perhaps do some pruning and see if they can prune the, the borer out. Now, look, okay. the, only, the only problem with that... Uh, is when you prune a jacaranda, it doesn't come back looking, uh, you know, that, yeah. that beautiful plant that you've got now. It uh, yeah. gets these weird sort of what I call water shoots uh, that, yes. that come out. So the, these yeah. weird sort of upright fingers that yep. they get and yep. the whole tree really just loses its shape quite badly. I mean, oh, yeah. almost more so than any other tree I've ever seen pruned. Uh, yeah. it, it, it really does look quite unusual with these water shoots that they, they get, these vertical upright yeah, shoots. Yeah. yeah. So, look, that is a way of saving the tree. Uh, look, I guess over time, you know, the plant's going to resume some uh, sort of, you know, normalcy about its appearance, um, but that okay. could be, you know, five to ten years down the track. Okay. Uh, look, I, I had uh, – well, I have got some golden robinias in my backyard. I had an arborist out a few weeks ago. Um, we did some pruning on those. They come back a whole lot better, which is great. Uh, his, okay. Yeah, his suggestion, though, um, was to go and get some pyrethrum spray – yeah. Uh, because it's nice and natural, and actually just soak it and, and uh, you know spray it all into the bark and let it soak up through the bark and uh, be drawn up and uh, kill the boar that idea. way. Yeah. yeah, that's a great idea, Scott. I, I think that is a good idea. It's not a big, harsh mm. chemical. Um, you're not sort of just spraying it willy-nilly around the place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I would think if, you know, a white cocky eats a couple of borers that have had some pyrethrum, uh, you know, that they've ingested, you know, it's not yeah. going to be the worst thing. They're, I think they're a little bit uh, tougher than that, the old white cockatoo. These ones are. Yeah, so I think that might be the best bet. Anywhere you can find some holes, uh, try and spray or, you know, with a syringe, get uh, as much pyrethrum down those holes as possible. Uh, I've got a syringe I can use for that purpose. Yep, very good. And then you need to try and block up those holes as best as possible as well. Uh, So you can use some wood putty, you can use some soap if you want to, but wood putty is a pretty good way to do that. Um, And I I think, uh, you know, do that uh, and and give it a try and wait and see what happens to next season when it comes out of dormancy. That's a lovely thing. Thank you for your advice. And um, I do keep your fingers crossed for because it's a beautiful tree. Yeah, look, if it is really, really bad in there, unfortunately, the only way is, uh, you know, to sort of get rid of the plant, unfortunately, but uh, it takes a long time for a jacaranda to come back and... Perhaps not the uh, the best plant to have in uh, you know a small backyard anyway because of you know the yeah. leaves the drop and the flowers the drop and all of a sudden they're uh, you know quite a rude mess uh, all through yeah. your backyard. Uh, but uh, yeah, give it a try with that pyrethrum spray and a bit of wood putty and, and see how you go and uh, cross your fingers, get those cockies back and see if they can uh, keep, <laughs> keep on uh, doing the job for you. That's lovely. Thank you for your time today. And okay. Enjoy the program very much. Thank you. Good on you, Maxine. Thanks for the call. Okay. Thank you. Bye. Bye. We've got Arthur now from Redhead, and he's got a question about oh, the dreaded onion weed. Oh, no. If only it would actually grow onions, but they, they don't. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> Arthur, how can we help you? Uh, well, I've been out of the garden for a few weeks, and it's now all through my, the flower beds is onion weed. And uh, no, 
and just wondering the best way to get rid of it. Yeah, that look, that is a, a really bad problem to get. Look, the, the number one thing you don't go and do, Arthur, is you don't go and start trying to pull them or dig them out. Yeah. Uh, I, I will guarantee you penny to a pound uh, that if you do that, it just spreads it more and more because... If you were to successfully grab one out as sort of as a whole as a bowl as little piece of onion weed, you'll see the main bulb and then all these little bulblets um, sort of all around. And as you pull them up, they just sort of slough off, and those new ones grow. It just multiplies and multiplies. Uh, I, I think the best thing to do um, now. This is the proviso. You've got it in a garden bed, so you might be able to safely go and spray or dab some zero or Roundup uh, directly onto the onion weed. Um, so that, that's something you can go and do. You can even make yourself up like a little uh, funnel or cone to go over the top of your sprayer so that it doesn't spread around. Yeah. Uh, but, mate, if you've got it in the lawn, um, you just can't do anything about that because anywhere you spray with Roundup will kill the lawn as well. So uh, if you've got it in a nice sort of open area where you can spray, um, certainly go and do that. Um, we had a, a caller a few weeks ago ringing up at onion weed saying, hey, wait until they're out in flower because they're putting all of that energy up into the flower and the new seed. And if you go and spray them at that time, uh, it seems to have a slightly better result. So that was a great tip that we got from a caller a few weeks ago. So give that a try. Yeah. Uh, some of the weed, some of the flowers are actually dying off now. Yeah, okay. So it might be a really good time because that's putting all the energy back down into the bulb now. So great time to uh, to go and give it a good old spray at the moment. Have you got roses in those garden beds though, Arthur? Yes. Okay. Now here's my second proviso. If you've got roses, you can't spray Roundup or glyphosate or Zero, any of those sort of products yeah. around because it stunts and deforms your roses. They will not come back. You'll be digging them out and you'll be cursing um, yourself for doing it. So don't spray anywhere near roses. Um if you're even going to spray sort of in the vicinity, make sure it's really lovely and still and um, that you've got that little funnel to channel, um, you know, the spray down directly onto the uh, onto the onion weed uh, because if you get any mist or any overspray and it gets on your roses, uh, it will just make them all sort of withered and, and stunted and I can assure you they just don't come back. I've had people... Um, you know, sort of almost weeping tears of blood um, because they've had to dig out, you know, 50 roses. Uh, and I'd, I'd be assured if there, there wasn't a caller that could ring up straight away and say, yeah, exactly the same thing's happened to me. So be very, very careful about spraying zero Roundup uh, around your roses. It might be that... What's the best way to dab it on then? Yeah, look, one of the things I've done is uh, you go and get, a, you know, like a, a rubber sort of surgical glove thing uh, yeah. You can then go and get some cotton gloves and um, you put the cotton, your rubber glove on first, then your cotton glove over the top of that, and then you can just dip that cotton glove into the poison and just sort of, you know, wipe up over the oh, top of yeah. the, uh, the onion weed. You can get a little paintbrush and do the same thing as well. Uh, the other thing I say is if... Uh, you know, you're, you're using that uh, glove technique. Make sure you put some sunglasses or something on so you don't go and inadvertently scratch your eye, um, you know, with your poisony finger. Um, so just make sure you do that. Uh, and that's a good way. It's, it's pretty painstaking, but um, that's one way of doing it. Look, the other way of getting rid of onion weed, again, a very painstaking way to do it is to put lots of newspaper over the top and then heaps of mulch and wait a long time, like three to six months, and um, see if you've choked it out and killed it that well, way. 
it's coming up through up through all the flowers and yeah. stuff like that. So uh, dabbing might be the best way to do it. Yeah, I, I think dabbing or, or the paintbrush probably the best way to do it. But do not be tempted to pull them out. Um, it'll end up uh, it's a tale of woe for you, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, then. Okay, sorry to be the, uh, the bearer of bad tidings, uh, especially around the festive season, but uh, <laughs> good luck with it otherwise, Arthur. Good. Thanks a lot. Thanks, mate. Thank Cheers. you. Bye-bye. Bye. And we've got Mary from Maitland, and she's got a question about the bird of paradise. Good afternoon, Mary. Yeah, the bird of paradise all the way from South Africa to Maitland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hi, Scott. Look. Um, it was a transplanted one that I had when I lived in Sydney and I brought it up with me about 15 years ago now. And over the last probably three to four years, um, it, every time it flowers, you only get half the flowers out and then the rest of it. And if I had to say it was anything, it looks like a, a mould on it. So I've tried several of the um, mould remedies and poured it over the roots and everything, but it just doesn't seem to be doing any better. Right, okay. And how big, the clump must be fairly big by now in that case. Oh, yeah, about 12 foot across and about two and a half, three foot deep. Yeah, okay, doke. Okay. Well, um, unfortunately, to, to, to get rid of the things, you do need a bobcat or something like that because they're really difficult to dig out. But I'm wondering if maybe just giving it a sort of a, a prune back around the edges as well or a thin out just to try and get some, you know, the air flowing in amongst it and get some new growth coming out might be a way um, to sort of kickstart the plant. Now, when you say you've been using, it's, it, I mean, your description sounds like there might be some sort of fungal disease um, lurking yeah. around with the plant. Uh, what have you been using? Anything in particular, any fungicides like copper well, oxychloride or? Well, I tried that and in the next season I tried fungoid, um, which is just in a packet. You mix it with water and that. Yes. Look, I continuously cut off the spikes when they they don't you know, they look like they're gonna flower or they're flowered and that. So I am continuously, you know, aerating it or whatever I suppose, cutting back on it, but I can cut it back harder. I don't wanna take it out because it's in a good place as you come in a split driveway and that. The only negative is that we are on tank water, so I I blame the fact that maybe didn't get enough water for the previous few years, but over the last two years I can't use that excuse. Yeah, and look, really with the Strelitzia, again, as tough as old nails, so you know, should be able to, to survive some dry conditions. Uh, look, I, I would give the, the fungicide a go and uh, you know, again. Uh, now, you used fungarid. That's quite a good one. Uh, there's also a sort of a phos acid. Uh, it, it's a, a systemic fungicide, so you water it um, all through the plant. It will be drawn up through the root system. Um, but it's one of those ones where you can't just do it once. You have to give them a couple of tries, especially in a yep. big, thick clump. Um, so I'd give that phos acid a try and uh, just see how you go with that. Now, the other thing I'm wondering about is that you might give it a general feed as well. Uh, you know, perhaps a couple of bags of cow manure and just sort of dump them in the middle and around the outside of the plant. I guess a fair amount of chook uh, Right, okay. Now, that might be also just promoting the green leafy growth as well. So it could be very nitrogen rich uh, with the plant. That's, you know, you might not be getting as many flowers as you perhaps want. Right. So I'd just steer clear of the, uh, the old chook for a little while and give it some cow as a, as a feed. Um, okay. But definitely I'd try some of that phos acid or the fungarid again if you want to um, use it a couple of times and just give it a, a good old drenching with that. Okay. Thanks very much for your help. Enjoy your show. Thank you very much and uh, good luck with the plant. Thank you. Jeez. Bye.
We got Steve from Shortland, and well, he's got some problems with some dead grass. You know, it doesn't sound good, <laughs> especially at this time of year when everything's going crazy. Steve, what's been happening, mate? Um, well, as you say, the my grass was looking fantastic after all that rain, and it was nice and green, and I was cutting it a bit higher, and I sort of like overnight I went out and it was all dead, and then I um, I sprayed for. Um, army grubs and black beetles and you know I've probably got about eight black beetles and I don't um, sort of think they would have caused this amount of damage but yeah it's just like it's been burnt with the sun because all the, it's all just dead and the other day I raked it all all the dead patches up and mowed it and now I've just got bare bits of dirt and yeah besides grubs and beetles could could the stress of all the rain and then the heat kill it or it's never happened to me before so I just don't know yeah, look, I don't think I'd be putting it down to stress. I mean, grass has only got a very shallow root system. So, you know, once the it rains, you know, the water drains away very quickly. Um, so unless you've got really, really soggy patches, that's when I'd be putting it down to, uh, you know, too much water. It hasn't really been that hot or that sunny to, you know, sort of burn like that. I don't think it's going to be army grub quite yet. It's still just a, you know, touch too early for army grub. Uh, black beetles, yes, they'll do quite a bit of damage. Um, the other thing that will do a fair bit of damage around this time of year are the crickets as well. So uh, you might be, you know, time to, uh, you know, tune the ear outside at night and see if that's happening. Um, mm. Now, when you say that it, it was dying off, did it die off in in patches uh, and sort of spread outwards? And and did that happen all over the grass or in the shady areas only? Well, it's sort of the perimeter. Beside me pool fence and me shed and pergolia, it's that sort of on the outside of it's reasonably still green, but it just seems all died in the middle. Okay, now um, the, the, the old pool, you haven't been draining water or anything down onto the grass, have you? No. No. Okay. Good. Good. You sound like a very wise man, Steve. We we were we weren't insinuating anything then, so uh, that's good to hear. Um, because if you were, you know, pool water drained over the grass, um, oh, no, no, yeah, no. Yeah, they just build up. Wouldn't be very nice for it. Uh, look, I, the, the reason I was asking about whether it was in the shade or not, I was thinking perhaps dollar spot, which is a, a fungal uh, disease that lawns can get, um, but it sounds like it's not that either. Uh, look for for what's happening now. I would be inclined to go and give it a, another spray all over uh, to uh, try and keep the black beetles and crickets under control um, because that's probably more likely what it's going to be. Um, otherwise, we might ask you to uh, send in a photograph as well to the email address. All right. Uh, and then I'll be able to have a bit more of a look at it that way. But uh, Oh, Okay. Yeah, look, first port of call, though, I'd be going and spraying it again um, for the crickets. Always go out, you know, on dusk a little bit later, even when it's dark if you want to, uh, and turn on the floodlights and, uh, and go and give it a good spray then. Um, you can use, uh, you know, there's the granular ones that you can sprinkle over and water in. Uh, there's spray ones. There's ones you can use in the watering can. So there's a variety of different chemicals to get out there and use. Um, so just make sure you do them late at night, though, um, so that you uh, wait till the, the crickets or whatever sort of you know insect we, we hope or think it might be comes back up to the surface. 
uh, and give it a good crack then. Otherwise, right. just uh, you know, hope for some more rain. Um, generally get out there and, and water your lawn at the moment to try and get it back. Uh, I wouldn't be fertilising. It sounds like it's a, a little bit stressed. Yep. Uh, so water is all it needs at the moment uh, and just that, that spray. Well, I was going to go and buy some lawn builder or something like that, so I won't do that at the moment. No, I'm, I'm a, not a big fan of, you know, overly stressing, a, you know, or continually stressing a plant out or lawn, yep. um, you know, that's already having a bit of strife. So yep. uh, always steer clear of fertiliser if you've got a stressed plant or stressed lawn. Um, but, mate, if you could send in those uh, picks to... Gardening at 2 com. Oh, okay, yeah, that's not a trouble. Uh, because, like, when I did spray it the other week, I did get, like, sort of half a dozen or a dozen black beetles, and I thought, oh, gee, they couldn't have caused this amount of damage. But And then the other day I re-sprayed it late in the afternoon and went out the next morning and there wasn't a bug or a beetle to be seen. So, I, you know, you'd think if there was more there, they would have came up. But anyway, yeah. I'll... I'll um, Give give it another try and um, and we can go from there. Yeah, and send us in that picture too. Gardening at two new rfm dot com. Before, and I'm, I don't know about the lawn being stressed out, but I am over it. <laughs> you, you sound a bit stressed out about it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Scott. Thank you very much for that. Hey, good on you, Stephen. Thanks for the call, thank mate. Thank you, mate. Bye. It's gardening talk back on two new rfm. If you've got a question, four nine two one six two one six, and we've got Vicky from Alabama, and she's got a question about the mango tree. Hello, Scott. Good afternoon, Vicky. How can we help you with your mango tree? Well, I've got two. Um, one's only a younger one, about three to four years old. The one out the back of our house, probably about 15 years. Um, the last three years, we haven't got a mango on the old one. And uh, okay. It's, it's flowered profusely. Yes. And then the spikes go black. Uh, and it's okay. happened again this year. Yep. And then um, they've all gone black, but now it's reflowered again. Yes. And then they're starting to go black again. Okay, so what you've got is a pretty common mango problem. It's called anthracnose. Uh, sometimes you see it as the black spots on the leaves as well. Now, it's a yeah. fungal disease that, as you've found out, hits the flowers and then it either makes the flowers wither up and, and die and you don't get any fruit or any fruit that does form, the uh, fungal disease just continues on down through the uh, you know where the blossom joins onto the fruit and it kills the fruit and makes it all yucky as well. So uh, you need to be spraying uh, with uh, some copper spray, copper oxychloride. It's a fungicide. Uh, now, you need to do that as soon as you see the flowers. It forms a nice protective coating. Uh, it, you may have some success year, this year on your second flush of flowers, but you might be having to wait until next year, I suspect. Yeah. Uh, and then you just keep on spraying every couple of weeks uh, with the copper spray just to keep that anthracnose under control. Okay. Um, I, did, I did start to spray it at the start of spring on a product called Mangozeb. Yeah, man, now Mangozeb should work for you as well. Um, now, I, I bet the trouble with your, your 15-year-old um, mango trees, a, a teenager of mango trees, it's probably a little bit tall now, it's a bit unruly, um, it's really hard to get up there to where the flowers are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So I would be thinking about giving that tree a bit of a prune. Mangoes prune very, very well. Um, they're a beautiful softwood to cut. It even smells nice. 
and if you're going to do it, I guess now's the time to do it because you know it's all over Red Rover practically for the for the flowering season now anyway for it. So uh, you know, go and give it a, a nice hard prune. That what'll happen? It'll bring all the flowering material back down low, so it's at a manageable height for you. Um, yep. As well as that, you can also you know cast a net. Um, over the the plant. Now you're not going to catch a fish, but you are going to stop any uh, you know sort of bats or uh, you know flying fox coming in and trying to pinch the uh, the mangoes off when it starts when they ripen up. So that's why I think you know keeping a mango down to a nice manageable size is is a good idea. You'll also be able to spray next year when you see the flowers come out. Um, so it's sort of no use waiting until you know, September next year and then deciding to give it a prune because you just won't get any flowers off it for the next season. Uh, Now is the time to give it a prune if you uh, are going to do that. And that will ensure that you'll have lots of lovely mangoes and flowers again for next year. Okay. And when when do you suggest I should start spraying? As soon as you see those flowers forming up there, um, jump out there and start preventatively spraying every couple of weeks. Okay. Thank you very much for your help, Scott. Not a problem. Good Thank luck you. with it, Vicky. We hope you get some lovely juicy mangoes next year. Yes, yeah, so, so do I. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks. It's Gardening Talk back. We've got time for a couple more calls. And we've got Jeff from Stockton, who's dwarf lily pilly, not looking the best at the moment. Hey, Jeff, how can we help you with it? Uh, yes, Scott. The, um, they've been in probably about 10 years, and every year I've had to prune them back fairly heavily. But um, this year there's no new shoots and uh, it kind of looks pretty sad looking oh that doesn't sound too good um so when you go out and you know you cut a little piece of the wood um off at the moment is there still green inside no it's well there's green leaves from you know the last season but um it's fairly open space through there it looks a bit twiggy yeah okay now you're you're over at stockton i understand i reckon over there at stockton for a lily pilly the soil is going to need heaps and heaps of feed because as you know the water drains through uh the nutrient drains through the sort of the sandy soil um yeah. you've, you've got over there so lily pillies are a plant that uh, you know they're usually from the they're from the rainforest we've just uh, managed to bring them out and um, develop them and get them out into the full sun um you know and, and down south as well into different climates mm-hmm. So they are a plant that needs, you know, a fair bit of um, feed, especially in the sort of, uh, you know, you know, the environment that you've got it over there at Stockton. Um, now you have to be careful because they are a native, um, so you can use blood and bone. Uh, you can use other okay. native safe fertilisers, but you certainly can't go and use cow manure or poultry manure or anything like that because it will just burn the bejesus out of your poor old lily pilly. So you just have to be really careful about what you're feeding it with. Uh, I would also strongly uh, suggest chook manure on. No, don't don't be using that chook manure. <laughs> it won't be good for it okay. at all. <laughs> so just blood and bone or a native safe fertilizer. Uh, you okay. might also want to go and grab some mulch as well, like sugarcane mulch, and um, just really you know mulch up heavily around it, not right up against the trunk. And then as that breaks down over time, that'll start building up the soil in the area. Uh, and, and just generally improving uh, the soil's ability to retain moisture and retain nutrient. Um, so I think it's a good two-pronged attack over there for you. Um, some nice native safe fertiliser and some sugarcane mulch and, uh, yeah, just uh, plenty of water and see what happens with them. Okay, so they should come back if I do that? Oh, look, absolutely. They're one of the, the toughest plants. You could almost prune them down to the ground. 
uh, and and they'll come back for you. But I, I think that's why they're just looking a bit um, spindly for you, um, you know, in mm-hmm. the sort of the sandy conditions that you've got. Okay, well, thanks for that, Scott. Okay, good on you, Jeff. Thanks for the call, mate. Okay, bye. We've got time for one more call, and it's Michael from Maryland, and he's got a question about the Dwarf Maria plants. Hey, Michael, how can we help you, mate? Hi, Scott. Uh, I have a miniature Marias. Oh, yes, yeah, the, the ones with a very, very small little leaf. Little leaf, uh, little white flowers. Yep. Um, they're about 15 years old, the hedge fence, right around the property. Uh, one side's uh, very um, have an open space, very dry and twiggy. Yes. The other side's very lush and green. Okay. Uh, we have lost a fair bit of uh, the stuff in the middle of it. I've been advised to use uh, Mancuzab, I believe, uh, plus soft yeah. fungicide in the past. We've hit it several times. Um, they just kept dying. Yeah, okay. So Mancuzab's a, f- a fungicide. Um, they can be susceptible to, to fungus. They're a terrific little plant, actually. I, I, I'm never really sure why they haven't been more popular because they're really nice, very prunable, uh, and, uh, you know, you get all the little white flowers on them as well. Look, f- for my mind, I, I think it might be worth giving them a feed. Do you feed them regularly? No, I haven't. Yeah, okay. So I think it's probably feed time for them. Uh, now, with Marais, uh you can give them some uh, cow manure if you want to. Um, so, you know, be fairly liberal with it. Just don't, you know, don't salt and pepper it, um, you know, on the plant. Actually get there and sort of pour it, uh, you know, down through the middle of the plant and, um, you know, around the drip line. And then just make sure that you're watering it, uh, the plants really, really well. Uh, it might also be that you give them a very light prune back as well, just to try and reinvigorate them and, and give them some new growth. But I, I think some uh, fertiliser is probably going to be the way um, with the mini marais. If you've been hitting them with the mancozeb, it's most probably not going to be a, a fungal disease. Uh, they can get scale on them, so having a really careful look to see if there's any like little green or little white sort of little nodules or pimples um, yeah. down around the, the stems of the plants. If that's the case, you need to use some white oil to um, to get them under control. But I think the fertiliser and some water is really going to do the uh, the trick for your mini marais. Is there a chance that they'll come back? Oh, look, ab- absolutely. Get, grab your secateurs, go out there, and if they're a bit spindly, just start pruning back until you... Uh, um, you know, start to hit the green, uh, and that's when you stop and you just sort of prune out all that old dead wood if there's any there. Alrighty. Okay. Thanks, th- thanks very much, Michael. Good Appreciate good the call. Day. Thanks, mate. Bye for now. Thank you very much. Well, that is all for us on Guarding Talkback this week. Unlike the beginning of the show, we've run out of time. Oh, that's uh, so sad, but more questions on the way. Yes. On, the, on the way next week. Yes. <laughs> thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.